Good day. Welcome to another edition of Cracking the Code with Ryan Skinner. Today, I have a good friend of mine, Jeff on. Jeff, thank you very much for coming on today. You're welcome. Great to be here. Jeff and I met through a 12-step program, and um, usually, Jeff, what I talk about with people, well, people who are addicts or alcoholics is, you know, what happened, kind of like when we tell a story, what happened, how we fell down, and what we did to pull ourselves up, and what you did, because everybody, you know, a lot of people do similar things, but everybody has their own unique twist on getting sober or clean. And we were just talking, and I started by saying, I stopped myself by saying, you are a normal addict. And what I meant by was, usually when you see an addict, and alcoholics too, but usually if it's an addict of any form of pills or whatnot, they lose their job, they have no mm. career. I mean, I can speak for myself. So, okay, I lost my job, I lost my career, I lost everything worth having. You held the outside stuff together, but boy, it was burning on the inside, huh? Yes, it was. Um, yeah, it's like, that's why I, I relate a lot to Dino, you know, one of your recent guests, friend of ours. It's like he'll always start when he tells the story, like, I'm not, I didn't lose everything, you know, I, and, and yeah, for me, I'm, I, I kept my post office job, which I started at 19. Um, my family supported me. Um, my, I still have, the like, my sponsor, Jim, he says how unusual it is that I still have my circle of friends that I grew up with. So like, like, so many people have to detach from all their friends because they used with them, you know? And these are the guys I drank with. is that funny? they didn't drink the way I did. And they might have been harder drinkers, but um, they weren't using it the way I was. They had know? the ability to stop, or they weren't yeah. using it to drown the same pain. I was you using know? it to anesthetize the way I it's felt. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it at the time. No, you don't. You don't realize it. But, By the time you realize it, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. By the end, I was like, oh, I've been self-medicating, you know. Yeah. And uh, but um, yeah, a couple of things that colored my childhood was my dad was deaf. Oh really? Um, yeah, he was born with uh, with about twenty percent of what you or I was born with, as far as hearing goes, wow. and it got worse through the years. Um, and my mom had a had a very uh, deep depression when me and my younger brother were like, uh, I'm guessing like I don't know, like seven and five. I was I was you know that's would, hard. And I have an older brother and sister, and um, I don't say that my life or anything was any harder for me than them. It's all different, but there was kind of a line drawn there. Like they knew my mother's. Uh, parents who moved to Prince Edward Island around that same okay. time. Um, so, you know, my younger brother, John, and I were, were like a little crazier than my sister and my brother, you know, and uh, we had way more. Fr I never had a curfew or anything. But Oh, really? But as far as my dad's um, uh, hearing deficit, we, he, we never learned to sign. So the house was just loud. You know, oh. we, we uh, he read lips, um, but... We people would walk into our house and everybody be yelling, you know. And it's there's no there's no way to be tender when you're yelling. It's like oh, I love you, you know. It's like you know, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So it wasn't it wasn't really what we did. And you know, with my mom's depression, she wasn't always available, you know. And uh, and she was had her own struggles. And then my dad dealing with that, you know, it 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 was just the way it was. You Can know, you imagine. Being a gentleman who's a father and a husband and you're deaf. I know I, I always had a lot of understanding of deaf folks because I had a lot of my first business partner. We had 30, 40 deaf clients. We worked with the school up in Beverly and um, the folks were great. And I used to think it was so sad. A lot of them had been screwed over by financial advisors, yep. screwed over by their families. It was a lot back then. They didn't really know what to do with them. They kind of put them in homes. And here are these normal people. Um, I never learned to sign. We always hired somebody to be there to sign. Yeah. What I never knew early on was, so if we had the person signing, I'd always look over at her. her name was Diane. I'd look over and I didn't know that was rude. So then now I, if I see a deaf person, I talk right at them and make sure, yeah. you know, I yeah. didn't know. You don't know what you don't There's know. There's so many social cues. We, we kind of developed our own shorthand in the family. Um, 
without even thinking about it. You know, it's like a look or a, or a mannerism, and then you can communicate what you were feeling. Um, so yeah, so think, I remember bringing friends over, and they were like, "Everybody's yelling," you know, and then <laughs> and then they'd be yelling, and it was just I was used to that, you know. But I being highly sensitive. Um, I had I couldn't find like it was hard to find time to be alone in the house and I didn't know that I needed like to decompress you yeah. know so I was always I found my mom keeps uh, keeps a lot of things and like, a few years ago she handed me this uh, manila envelope filled with like old report cards some assignments from school and I just put them away and then recently I took them out like a month ago and um you know, the good ones I shredded and the bad ones, I'm like, because <laughs> like, yeah. around, you know, the early ones were like pleasure to have in class, applies himself well, gets along with others. And then around the time, fifth grade, 10, 10 years old, um, poor effort, you know, um, <sighs> rushes through his assignments. Because if I, if the, we were doing an assignment and you, and you bring it up to the desk and I saw like the smart kids bringing it up early, I'd start rushing because yeah. I was like, I can't be last. It just it, Isn't it, it was it crazy the pressure we put on ourselves. Oh yeah, yeah. I was nervous all the time. But one of the assignments when I was ten said um, it was like it was. I guess it was like a writing assignment to write a paragraph, and I was writing about going back to school, and I wrote how nervous, and I wrote N E R V I S. I didn't know the word yet, but in, in shaky. And I was like, oh, so these this was this whole was the, the addict was, you know, looking for relief was there. And then three years later, eighth grade, there was one that said, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? And of course, I said, two, I wish I wasn't <laughs> so nervous and I wish I had more confidence. And wow, so even when, in eighth grade. When I got to my knees at age 56, none of that changed. Yeah. You know, it's just I was chronologically an adult. Yeah. It's so crazy because I... I see certain things and, and a lot of people grow up. You know, I look back, you said about your childhood friends and that's really nice. I had two groups of friends growing up. My buddies that I drank with and I hung out with that I was really close with. Like my buddy Mark was like my brother. And I burnt those bridges to the ground. They mm -hmm. weren't at, they weren't alcoholics or addicts, but I did so much pain in their life. Their wives wouldn't let them hang out with me once they got married. One of them, I introduced him to his wife. As soon as the wedding was over, he was never allowed to see me again. <laughs> we snuck away one time to me and watched the Batman movie like two in the afternoon. We both left work because he couldn't see me at night because she wanted enough. And she was right. Yeah. And um, the other group of friends were real tough guys, like real gangsters, like organized crime type guys. And um, they went that way. And I wasn't a tough guy. Mm. I wanted, whoever I was with, I pretended to be that. If I was with you and you were tough, yeah, yeah. If yeah. I was with you and you were a geek guy, yeah, I'm in finance. I wanted to be anybody but Ryan. And um, I think it's great that you have those bonds. That speaks volumes about who you were as a character even when you went through that. Because most of us, when we're in addiction, we're, we're really weasels. Yeah. So obviously, you did a lot of the right things. Well, um, at that time, when I, I kind of realized, you know, that in order to not get bullied, um, to, to like kind of boost my own self-esteem, I got to hang around with the popular kids. You know, because yeah. I wasn't like in the in grade school and I did that, you know, it was like and part of that was drinking. You know, when yeah. I started, I was never going to drink. Like I, I knew kids were drinking and I'd hear them talking about it all day on Monday in school, how great, how much fun they had. My mom um, would swear it off because her father was was a was a really raging alcoholic, never, never got recovery or anything. Oh, and, really? And so my mom's job and her mother's job was to hide it, you know, to to make sure nobody needs nobody can know. Everybody knew. Yeah. Um, so she was always warning me off. She she would never drank, you know, I maybe had a sip of beer once or something and she'd drink like, you know, non alcohol drinks. But I also saw my dad having fun with his friends, you know, like season tickets to the Bruins. They oh, really? yeah, cool. they they'd meet at our house and they'd 
everybody be coming from work, and some of them would walk in kind of stressed. You know, uh, by the time they left after having a few cocktails, they're like, "Yeah, bro," you know, and and we watched the games on thirty eight. You know, and thirty eight. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I actually, you know, uh, this is beside the point. I got to see Bobby Orr play sometimes. So Did you really? It was, yeah, it was, it was the last cool. the last great season he had. Um, so I'm fortunate there, and it was always fun. But I could see. Like these guys coming in and being like stressed out, oh, the wife's a job, and then they leave it and they're like, oh, what happened? You know, the yeah. transformation. Um, so uh, there was there was peer pressure. My my friends were like, I was I felt like I was missing out, you know, because these people were all doing things on the weekend, I wasn't doing anything. So one night I went with them behind Redstone Shopping Center over here yeah. in Stoneham. I grew up behind there, and before I could tell myself this stuff tastes like shit. That it, it the, the thing the came over me, yeah. and uh, it was like, oh, you know. So, so you felt it that early on. That was the that was the invisible line for me. Was the first one. It's like right away, and I had two Miller High Lifes, and I was like, I actually said this. I remember I was like said, I can't believe all the fun I've been missing out on. You know what's crazy? When I grew up, my uncle was an alcoholic. He was a pretty pretty sick guy mentally. And so I never wanted to be an alcoholic. So all through high school, I'd go to cake parties and I was so insecure. I'd hold a beer when people were looking, I'd dump it out. Yeah. I got drunk probably once or twice in high school. It wasn't until like going into college where I drank a few times and actually felt the effect. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, even when my little cousin and I, we would hang out in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, we'd all have the neighborhood kids where we they don't take sips. I would just put it to my lips, hold it there. And I had no desire to do it. But man, so I didn't feel that feeling until God, college. And then when I graduated college, I said, I'm not drinking for a year. I want to live with my parents again. My dad had made me move out before because I wasn't living the right way, which he was right. I mean, I was, yeah. he said to me, I might not have money. I might not have a new car. I don't even own an air conditioner, but I'm not a scumbag. You're a scumbag. Get out of my house. And I remember taking, carrying some stuff. Dad, I'll come back tomorrow for the rest of my stuff. He goes, don't ever come back. Yeah. And when I was graduating college, I asked if I could move back. He said, yeah, you can move back, but the BMW you bought the wrong way, that goes to the driveway. You drive your mother's Volkswagen with a bungee cord holding the hood mm. down, no bumper. He said, you know, um, seven days a week, 10 p.m. curfew and not a drop of alcohol. And I did it, and I moved back for a year. My life got better because I still had that control. If the if the reason was great enough, I could stop, and I did. Yeah. But when I moved out after that, I moved in with me. But I remember the first time I didn't feel that effect till college, and I and I remember being like, "Whoa!" Every time I drank, I didn't know when I would drink, but if I did drink, I didn't know when I would stop. Yeah. That's crazy. You felt that relief that young, and it, it never got any better, you know. But no. but for years, I it's all I looked forward to. Not you know. I, especially at first, I was like, "Can't wait till next weekend." Yeah. Who? How are we going to get? You know, who's going to buy? You yeah. know, brother, sister, neighbor, whatever. Um, and it, it just, it just like you know, the grades. I, I had like average grades, and I, I was, I shot for mediocrity. You know, yeah. I was failure, Same, yeah. uh, failure of success, failure of, of, of. Um, I mean. Uh, fear of failure and fear of success. Isn't that weird? Uh, yeah. Success fucks me up as much as failure does. Yeah, me too. Honestly, like, when I've had years I was rocking and rolling in business, those years of my recovery was at their worst because I was, I just naturally had this proclivity to, to derail myself. Yeah. If things go good, hey, let's go get high. And this will take, you know, because the pressure of having to sustain success. Yes. Like there's a success and now I got to keep doing this. It's just recently I've given myself the, um, the uh, I guess the, the acceptance or the approval to not have to hit top levels, just do my yep. best. When I was um, about 40, I was uh, I was at work, postal, you know, at the post office in Arlington. I was talking with a coworker, and um, for some reason, the the topic came up: What would you have done if you hadn't gone to the post office? You know, I, I started at 19. Yeah, you started really young. And um, 
I'm very blessed because of that. You know, I might not have told you that when I was in the middle of it, but now as I'm retired and have a pension, yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's, great. it's amazing. Um, but she said she she was athletic. She's like, oh, I would have liked to have gone on to college, played soccer, been a been a coach or whatever. And I just blurted it out. I said, I I wish I had been a writer. And like that night, I couldn't sleep. I was like, oh, I, I said it out loud. What do I need? I need a pen, piece of paper, and a story. And um, I had had blood poisoning a few years before I almost died. You know, I had wow. um, septicemia. And um, oh, so I started, write, I, I, I started writing that story. And then I gave it to someone to read. And I had a coworker who would edit my writing for me just as, like, she enjoyed reading my writing. Yeah. And the first person that brought it back was crying. So I said... Oh wow! I, you know this is something I want to do. You know I don't want to make anyone cry. Maybe laugh, but have yeah, a, a yeah. visceral yeah, reaction. You have, yeah, you have to make an impact. Yeah, and so I had to take courses in, at uh, Cambridge Center for Adult Education, and I started to. Um, to I, I realized like I got a knack for this, you know, and and I'd read a lot. You know, I wasn't a great student in school, but I had my first story um, published by Newsweek. Really? When it was still in print. And, and it, it was a personal essay. You know, it was one page. And uh, it was just about a personal experience I had at the, at the grocery store. And they published it and paid me, you know. Really? So, but That's the thing cool. was. When, when it, was that? It, uh, 2007. It messed, wow. it messed me up because it, it's like the first story goes to a publication that has so three, now you sustain three that. million in print. Yeah. And that was the thing. I could I couldn't finish a story for the longest time. And my teachers are like, "What's up?" I was like, "Well, I gotta I gotta top that." They're like, "No, you have to accumulate, you know, clippings and and you know get a profile going." It's like that, but that was Isn't what it did how, to me. We're wired. We're wired. I have so to stay there or better. Yeah. And the other thing was, I got so angry and resentful about people that told me I couldn't do something like that, like. You know, anyone that told me I was stupid, anyone that told yeah. me, you're in it, you know, you can't. So it was just, I was like, I was angry. It was just such a weird, you know, I twisted yeah. myself into a pretzel. Like, if someone congratulated me and they told me at one time, I was like, no, no, you know, yeah. you don't, you, this has nothing to do with you. I did this, you yeah. know, and it was like, so it took it's a while. It's crazy. <laughs> now, you write a lot now, yeah, so. No, it's, I, I have most of my creative um, energy goes towards the piano. You know, writing got to, and I, and I did have, I did a have a lot of other, pressure on that. And it's a lot of solitude. You know, at least with the piano, I'll oh, eventually yeah. play with other people. That's true, That's yeah. the goal, you know. But um, but I, I love it. Like, you know, someone in, in my 12-step program lost their license, and they need it for work. So they asked me to write, like, a character reference. And it was great. You know, I was like, the muscles still work. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was happy to do it. And um, That's good to know because sometimes we have to put out articles. They'll ask me to write articles for different – like, I was in Newsweek for almost – is that the one with the blue cover? You used to have a blue cover? Um, it was different colors. There was, there was one that had blue color. Maybe it was U.S. Daily News, U.S. Weekly, U.S. Weekly. Yeah. And uh, U.S. News and Weekly, whatever the hell. And I had to do an article every week. And, and it was good for me. I was good PR. Yeah. But I'm not a great writer. So finally I was like, I'm not doing this. And, yeah. like, and I just, I'm like, you know, and, but it's nice to know that there's somebody I can pick up a phone. I'd rather hire somebody, tell my thoughts and help yeah. them drag it out of me. Um, so you had a lot. Have you always been creative like that? Or is yeah. that something you learned? It? But in, in when I was younger, I like you said, I, I hung around with the jocks. Yeah. You know, my friends were captain of every team. Uh, my great friend, Chris, who I'm actually going to have dinner with tonight. He was the president of our class. I was none of those things. You know, I just okay. wanted to be associated so with them. you didn't them. want to admit to being creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Cool yeah. yeah, I would get criticized. And so 
I stopped playing piano in my 50s. I stopped writing in my 40s. Is that crazy? It's like, yeah, it's like, and then everybody would support me. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. it, it, I was probably never going to get beat up for it. Maybe maybe in grade yeah. school or something. But I saw how those kids got treated, you know, yeah. and I was like, oh, I, you know, I can't do that. And, you know, it takes a, it, there was a few people in my class that would like support everyone. And I was like, man, I can't, I, how do you be, how do you get to be like that? Yeah. You how know? do you get that much comfort in your own skin? Yeah. To not be like, well, I can't hang around with that person because they don't wear this. Yeah. So it, it, it just was, there was a big judgment thing, you know, and just, and it was about self-preservation. Yeah. Just and that's nuts. the thing. I, I used to look back on myself and you might have done this and judge myself. Like, why didn't I do that? Why could I be like that? But the reality was. We did the best we could. Yeah. Like my therapist said to me one time, like um, when I'd had a relapse and I was like, I was a junkie and how did I fall back? I didn't use heroin, but I was doing pills again. And he said, Ron, you did what you needed to do to get through that time. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and drugs, yeah, it's not a good thing. He's like, but you needed that at the time. You're not doing it now. It's okay. And, I, and he gave me like this permission to forgive myself, yeah. which enabled me to stop doing it. <clears throat> um, so I remember you talking about this and I hope you don't mind me bring it up, but you, your struggles were alcohol, but you were also into like the benzos, Ativan and things like that. That was, that, that came later. Um, so I'll just, just quickly, the, the the progression or whatever the the, um, the way my addiction in, in alcoholism went was I drank for 24 years, started like at 14 or 15, and I quit at 39. And the thing was, it it was like okay, I had a job, I was I was engaged for a while, we lived together, you know, it was um, I kind of needed alcohol to like go out and do things, you know, it's like doing things without alcohol is very uncomfortable. Like, you yeah. know, and alcohol is pretty much everywhere, you know? Yeah. And, um, but the thing was, I, I just got sick all the time. I mean, I really think like my body is physically allergic to alcohol um, because later on I drank the non-alcohol beer and I get hangovers, you know, from really? my three of them. So, you know, oh there's God, probably so there's really gluten in there, you know, there's a lot of things, there's nothing really good in there. Yeah, but no, right. uh, It's like campus, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's like I drank for effect, you know, and I always say I didn't like the taste of alcohol. I didn't like the taste of beer. I never did. The first three, it was like drink them as fast as I can and then, you know, I, yeah, I could, never could be a guy. little numb. But I, I liked gin. I liked I liked mixed drinks, you know, the sweet ones like uh, toasted almond stuff. And, yeah, I liked those. Yeah, and and those were dangerous because they yeah, they like candy, you know, and it's got yeah. this little wang to it. But so I quit. I quit cold turkey. I just, really? I stopped. It was kind of a, a deceleration, you know. And at uh, thirty nine. Yeah, I, I was living with my younger brother, and I said, I'm done. I'm not, you know, I had, like, two drinks one night. We had, There was a Patriots game on. It was January of 04. They were playing the Titans in the playoffs, and we had people over. And I had, like, two drinks, and the next day I felt like crap. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And I didn't for four years. But my world shrank. You know, I stopped oh, yeah. dating. I stopped, you know, I would go to... I, I, I always loved going to see music, and it was, it, you know, so loud. You really didn't have to socialize. Yeah. You kind of, like, focus on the band. <clears throat> so socially, it wasn't that awkward. Um, I but never thought I, of that because people ask me to go to concerts. And I'm not very social outside of, you know, yeah, work yeah. Or, or recovery. But um, I could do that because you're right. There is yeah. loud enough. I don't have to say much. Yeah, and if you it, it's like people yelling in your ear and you're like yeah 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 what did I just agree to I don't even know but um it's like Seinfeld where they agree to with the puffy shirt yeah 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 the low talker and um so I for four years I was miserable everything you know it just my world got smaller and so I went back into therapy I'd been in therapy in my 20s and uh you know I'd done a lot of therapy a lot of talk therapy um so I went, my, my old therapist was retired and he, he saw someone that was in my, um, 
insurance network and I started seeing this other guy and he uh, prescribed Ativan. He's like, oh, you're having panic attacks. I had a panic attack on a plane once in Buffalo and I thought, get the air marshals. I got to get off this yeah. plane. It was horrible. Yeah, you know? I've had panic attacks. It's, yeah, it was like, and I didn't know what it was. On like, a plane, it's the worst. I only had it a couple times on a plane that they would, I didn't have full blown ones, but they were leading into it. Mm-hmm. And you're on a plane, you, you, you jump out of your seat, you got to scare the people. You right. know, like you're, you're trying to get people yeah. alarm. You don't want to be, you know, taking it down as a terrorist, but you're really terrorizing your own body. Yeah. So, um, so I had a, a, you know, I stopped drinking for four years, and in that time, um, I went to see Pearl Jam in Toronto with a friend, and we were on the we, we flew into Buffalo and drove the rest of the way, and. I had a panic attack. We were warehousing the planes on the way home. What's the warehousing mean? They, they're like lining them up, you know, okay. because yeah. they can't take off because of the weather. And then and then they're going to go like, okay, flight this one, you're up next. And uh, okay. we just stopped. And everyone on the plane was like reading, sleeping, turning the lights out, you know, just relaxing. My, my friend who I was with was just kind of sleeping. And I'm freaking out. And I'm just looking around going like... You know, we're gonna have to get an air marshal here because I have to get off this plane. And then we started taxiing, and it stopped. Like we oh, started really? moving. Okay. Yeah. And but I was exhausted. I, I was like, I slept yeah, the whole you flight. Out, yeah. Oh, it just it, it's like I didn't move. I didn't do anything. But my insides, it yeah, it was wild. You know, and and so that was kind of like okay, I got to do something. I got to figure this out. And uh, so this well-meaning doctor, you know, he actually told me, he said, you don't have an addictive personality, so I'm going to prescribe this. Well, you probably thought you stopped drinking on your own. You know, you you kept your job. On on the outside, and you hold it, you seem very calm. So on the outside, you're holding it together. He he only knew what I told him and what I, you know, so I don't blame him. Um, But so he said, he gave me a very low dose, one milligram, whatever it was. And he said, don't worry about taking another one if you need it. Like it was as needed, not a good thing for, you know, but who knew? (laughs) And I used it responsibly for 12 years. So from age 39 to, uh, to 51, no, what am I doing? Oh no. So I can't, the four years, up till 56, you know, when I, when I hit my bottom. But I, I used it as needed. I, I started, you know, dating again. I would I would go out and it was just I started. I thought I hit the jackpot yeah. because I didn't suffer any side effects, and you know there were no hangovers. And I'm like, it, it just allowed me to, you know, I had yeah. no idea. You know, I just thought the doctor said so. This is okay. Yeah. Um, and then in the uh, spring of 21, retirement was coming up. You know, I reached the age and the years, and that was always my goal: get out as early as I can. But it was it was. I was nervous because of course, it's the lifestyle change. It's a huge change. Yeah, and and but I was beating myself up because that's like most people were like, "Oh, it's great you're retiring," and I'm like, eh, "I don't know." It's like, <laughs> you know, and I knew how weird that sounded. And then my my cat at the time was having seizures. I remember that? I got my first um, COVID shot, and I was sick for ten days. I had COVID later on, and this was way worse. Yeah, the I shot couldn't, was way worse for me. I too. couldn't sleep. I I wasn't eating right. I was going to oh. work sporadically. Um, I was it just set the tone for like just being way behind as far as what was coming, yeah. like physically and mentally. I was already a mess, and then my mom started to. Um, like talk about people that weren't there or people that were dead. She forgot my and my sister's birthdays. They're very close. And uh, that's just not, you know, we had been through the dementia with my dad. And oh, we were like, okay. And that's what we thought it was. Like, not again. That's you know? hard. That's I, a I've hard always, day. I've always been real close with my mom. So it freaked, again, that another thing. And then it, within this time frame, I had a biopsy on my thyroid. Um, 
So I, now you're been, convinced you have cancer. They've been watching a nodule for 13 years and to see if it grew, and this time it grew. And they're like, ah, it's 50-50, it's malignant. And they're like, we're, we're recommending surgery. I've never had surgery. Jesus Christ. I'm a control freak. So all this happened within like two or three weeks. And I am not sleeping. I am not going to work. I'm not eating. I'm losing weight. And I'm thinking no one knows, you know, and it's like, you know, once once I got into recovery, I was yeah. thinking, saying to my older brother, Jim, I'm like, did you notice I was having like trouble speaking and finding words? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, we noticed. And uh, so I start hitting the Ativan like, oh, yeah, I'm not an addict. You know, yeah. I could take another if I want. And I yeah. couldn't get in touch with my regular doctor because of COVID. It was like impossible. Yeah. You know, and he was he was managing that prescription now because uh, I, my uh, doctor had retired. Not recommended, you know, make sure you have a psych person that's, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're on those types of meds. Um, and I managed to talk him in through an email in the portal to upping my dose because it was running out and they won't, you know, they won't refill it. Unless, they won't fill it early. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> we know I, actually, <laughs> I actually kept the email and um, we can we can manipulate people. Yeah. Professionals. And he did. So I um I st- it just wasn't working. I was like, he's like, let me just say it's not a sleep aid. He's like, I can't tell you, I can't emphasize it enough that, you know, I, I, I did tell him, I said, I'm having trouble sleeping. But that's all I could, that's all I did is I was, I'd chop it up, you know, and it's a real yeah. small pill. And then I would, I would go to sleep and I would do this. I would lick the tip of my finger and I'd find it on my bedside table. And before I knew it, that one was gone. I'd have another and another. And then. I never had this with alcohol, but I started getting withdrawal during the day. I'd be at work, and my hands would start shaking. Really? I, I, I'd never, never saw that before. I heard about it. Well, benzos are dangerous stuff. I mean, yes. Benzos are really dangerous. Highly addictive. doesn't matter if you have an addictive personality. Yeah. And um, so, like, I remember asking my boss about our EAP program. I never went, um, but I, I was like, I would tell people I was struggling, but... They didn't know. It was like, oh, you know, yeah, I just. Yeah, I hope well, you, you hold it together. Well, like I said, there are certain people that look so composed that you would you'd be like, eh, you know, yeah. maybe they're struggling, but their struggle is not my struggle. But yeah, it's they, just an inside job. They saw it here, though, and, I, oh, and it was they? so all those years of like you know using alcohol or whatever to to deal with life on life's terms. Um, I, I this was a forty day like just horror show of like falling down a an open elevator shaft you know it just happened really quickly and you know i'm 56 i'm freaking out and i'm like at no and my brother took me to the emergency room one night just because I, I i didn't know what to do yeah so we went to Leahy burlington they didn't, they didn't know what to do they don't know what to do with us yeah and that's not their really fault don't. you know yeah. and so i my thing was i wanted them to give me something else other than ativan you know like i'm i'm not you know, I'm in control yeah. here. Just give me, and I'll be fine. And they gave me trazodone, and it didn't work. I don't know what class of drug it is, but I was happy that they gave me something. And yeah. I, you know, they, and, and it just, I got maybe a few hours sleep. I was not sleeping. I mean, forty days. I didn't not sleep, but I never had like a night of. Real I just, sleep. And I kept telling myself, if I just get one night's sleep, I'll be get a reset. You know, that's what I thought because I'm going to take care of this. You know, I quit drinking on my yeah. own. All this, yeah. Stuff. Well, you have the reason to believe you could do it on your own. Yeah, we I was just convinced. don't know. We, yeah. know. we lie to ourselves. We, this disease minds fucks you, you know? Yeah. It's, it, the, 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 and I would sit on the couch sometimes during the day when I didn't go to work and I five hours would go by. And I'm like, I'm, what am I doing? I'm, wait, I'm waiting to feel better. And it, yeah, it was, it was just crazy. And then, you know, finally, 
I came home from work one day and I was shaken and I took took an Ativan and then I called. I had all the numbers there. If you looked at my uh, my search history on my, it was all about this kind of you know benzo yeah, withdrawal. Yeah, what do I yeah. do? I was like, I'm gonna get the article, but all the first ones you get are the worst cases. Yeah. You know, you got to go real like ten pages deep to say this is a good story about yeah. it, but. I called a, a treatment center in Wakefield. You know, I'm like, I'm going to call someplace real close. I'm not going far. And a guy answered the phone and I said, I just need advice. Um, you know, I just, what do I do for this? And he's like, wait a minute. He's like, no, you don't understand. This is dangerous. You can't do this on your own. I'll never forget that, you know, because I, I was convinced I could do it on my was own. Was it the place in the lake? I think it was aftermath. I'm not All sure. Right. And I don't know the guy. I, I might've met him. Place, yeah, I so. might've met him since then, but I, you know, I was not spiritual. I was not religious, but I look back and I like to think that was the voice of God. That was the yeah. voice of my higher power saying, "Listen, idiot, this is not. You know, yeah. you're going to die." You know, and I it's never good thought that somebody that. said that to you because sometimes yeah. you're like, "All right, well, you know, you know, you know." No, I, in a way, I'd love to meet the person and yeah. just you know hug and say you saved my life. Um, because early in recovery, when people like, if I do this, I'm going to die. I thought, isn't that kind of dramatic? And, and a couple <laughs> of very experienced it, it? people, they're like, "What do you think would happen if you kept doing what you were doing?" I probably would have died. Hands down. You know, or come close, you know, or it, I would have been a, a critical case. But um, I, I just didn't want to believe that. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, in, in the books, it's like, this is dramatic. And they're like, I don't say that anymore. I'm like, this is, I guess at a meeting the other day, someone came in and was just, you know, disrupting the meeting and um, had to be escorted out. And um, we we talked about it yesterday in our group. And, and someone said, I don't know what's going to happen to that person, but you might see them in two years and you know they could be the miracle you know they and, could be but but right now they're they're on the brink you know they're on that that precipice that we've all been to yeah and i think you need to get there to get recovered if you're going to really recover most of us when we're really addicted to something now if you're one of those people that a weekend warrior you haven't fully crossed the line like i was in my 20s but if you're where we were you need to see hell so you can mm -hmm. pull yourself out of it. You need to see like the flames of hell burning your ass so you want to climb out. Otherwise, we're just not that motivated. No. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for I know you well enough and I know myself and a lot of our friends. If we're not really burning, yeah. we're not going to take action. No. So, Jeff, I think we were just talking off the air. I think it's important we bring up is, you know, you had mentioned something about your childhood, how when you had to speak in front of a class or any big class projects, you'd suddenly be sick that day. I laugh because the guy I know, um, when we go to we go to a lot of same recovery meetings, and you speak a lot, and you speak calm, you speak from the heart, you're, very, you're open with your uh, feelings and emotions, you don't hide it, you don't try to be, camouflage yourself. And you absolutely look comfortable. You don't look like you're out of place. And I was just saying, and I'd like to say to the podcast, I think it's important is a thank you for the fact that there was a gentleman named Kelly who started that one o'clock meeting that we go to during the week. I don't get to hit that meeting a lot because I work at that time. I usually go in the morning or at night. But Kelly moved to Florida at one point to be a, be a grandfather and a husband and mm -hmm. retire and all that jazz. And you've really taken the reins on that meeting. And I, and I know that it's not about you and it's not an ego thing, but I will say thank you because we are trusted servants. God puts us in people's path and, and you have played that role in a, in a great way. And that means grown and it's become more, more people involved. Like I know you mentioned off the air, like how you used to look at like with people bringing the kids, it's not a daycare, the same way I would do it. Mm -hmm. But now when I'm struggling and I have my daughter, I go to a meeting with her and I get this little child, three years old with autism running around. And my answer is I'm trying to save my ass. Mm -hmm. And um, and I know you have. It's funny how we evolve. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you said, like, um, you were, I'm sure you never said an unkind word about it. But because it didn't sit well with you, you went out of your way to make it so that it's a rule that 
if it doesn't sit with somebody else, it's over. Basically, you looked at it like, hey, I didn't like having kids there, but now I want to make it so that somebody can bring their kids there because it allows them to get recovery. It's funny how we grow, evolve, and we made our shortcomings, even when nobody else sees it. Nobody else yeah. knew you had that thought, really. But Some you people and I, did, but, but you know what I'm saying. I tried but, to find people who felt the same way yeah, I did, you and, know, too. Like, I'm right. And, and then you went out of your way to make it, make it open. Like, that's what we do. That's growth. That's about God touching us because yeah. that's not, I don't know about you, but maybe that's Jeff, but at Ryan's core, that's not Ryan. Ryan doesn't call himself out of his own bullshit. Yeah. Ryan doesn't go try to like own it and then say, hey, I was wrong. Let's make this different. Um, but when you do that, it has, I'm sure it had a huge impact because now other people are the same feeling like, geez, I can't say that. Like this guy's really all about the recovery like, of everybody, not as just his own recovery. Yeah. Like how is that person? And I know two of the girls that um, have the kids come with one guy, one girl. And they both need those meetings right yes. now. And yeah. um, I remember years ago with the girl we just spoke about came in and her kid was running around. And uh, her son's like 19 or something now. But I remember that and thinking, this girl's never going to get it. She had a very bad heroin problem. She had done everything awful that a girl could go through when yeah. she went through. And she's a therapist now. Look at her now. Yeah. She's a rock star. Unbelievable. She's getting married to a really nice guy. She's a quality person. She's a quality goddamn person. Yeah. Um, when she speaks, I listen. Yeah, because yeah. she's lived it all. And, yeah. and, you know, it's just awesome. So I want to get back to you. So you're doing the, um, not the opioids, God, thank God. Although benzos, like we said, opioids, when you come off them, you want to die. Yeah. Benzos, you will, you will die. Yeah. And so you're coming off. How did you, like, what was the thing that prompted you to go get this treatment? I just, I knew I had no path forward. I, everything failed, you know, and this was failing. And I, the loneliness of the alcoholic addict is just unlike anything, you know, I, I just, like I said, I was preparing to go somewhere. I had all the instructions to take care of the cat. Um, you know, all these, I, I had them already on my computer ready to print. Cause when I got ready to go to RCA Danvers, which is where this guy, he's like, don't hang up. We'll, we, we don't take your insurance, but we'll get you a bed somewhere. And that's where I ended up going. Um, but I, I, I see. Yeah, I heard it's nice. They're nice. It, it, it was for me. You know, I, 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 when there were guys there that were there like nine times, and they're like, "Oh, believe me, this is one of the nicer places." Yeah, and I'm like, "What is stuff. going on here?" You know, I thought I should have my own suite. You know, the middle-aged <laughs> guy with the prescription drug problem. I don't belong here. Yeah, well, that's the. There were a lot. Of, so when I went to Katomit down in, in uh, Gosnold, that place you get to pick your food. They have a high-end chef. Mm. So that was the first place I went. It cost me thirty grand for a month. In the end, I had no money left. I'm a street junkie. And I make court alternative programs where yeah. I'm the same thing. There's kids in the room that were like heroin acts, stealing, robbing this. And they're like 18. And here I am like a grown man trying to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I was one of the older people at, at RCA. Um, I, was I guess like, it's common that people at that age, if they have benzo addictions, they don't they don't recover. Yeah. I I actually, someone in there said to me, said, like, now, are you going to start? Are we just detoxing you? You're going to be taking them again? And I was like, no, that's what yeah, we're doing. here to go back. Um, but, yeah, so I just ran out of options, you know. And I guess, yeah, I guess I was fearful of dying or, or you know, I can't go on like this. Yeah. So I find myself there. You know, my, my older brother, Jim, he, he did everything for me. He drove me there. He dropped me off. I was only going to do detox. I remember you know, saying I, that. Yeah. I, and they actually, I actually got discharged the morning of the detox. And um, my heart rate went up. You know, my, I have high blood pressure. It was like out of control. And something told me to stay. You know, someone told me to stay. My higher power. I still, hadn't, so cool. I still hadn't sought my higher power, but I just think of it that way. Do you mind if I ask you a question now? Do you believe in God now? Yes. Higher power, whatever the hell you would call it. You Absolutely. Know? Okay. I now trust, I'm just curious. You know, not, so that, not, not just that, but I trust my higher power. That's you know, cool like, to I'm never alone. I know? learned so much just from doing this podcast from yeah. you guys. Because, um, you know, I've gone through ups and downs with the whole higher power thing. And uh, 
sometimes when I hear somebody on the other side of the table looking at me and say, I, I mean, nobody's ever said it that way. Ryan, yeah, I have a higher power and I trust my higher power. Like mm-hmm. the conviction of those words, yeah. just grab my shirt and was like, hey. You know? I was at a meeting last night and we were going through, you know, a 12-step book and we were, we were talking about that part. Uh, so it was, it was a men's meeting. It was a solution-based meeting, you know, and uh, and everybody was sharing how they came to it, you know, and, uh, you know, step two came to believe. And, but so... You know, I'm in. I'm in there. My roommate doesn't speak English. Um, you know, I'm thinking they're locking the doors. They're not. It's not one of those places. You know, I went there voluntarily, um, and I'm just like, I'm not going to get to know anyone. I don't want anyone's phone numbers because uh, I'm only here for a short time. And it just everything scared me. I did. Yeah. I'd be in the groups, and they'd be talking a prison jargon, like yeah, I was sectioned in this, and I'd be nodding my head, but I'd lean over and go, "What does that mean?" Yeah, because yeah. I so naive. I couldn't I'm believe they took I, my I, phone. I give you the lingo. Yeah, I heard you say it, and. Uh, and I, I was like, you could take my phone. I'm not getting my clothes for three days. And I'm like, what do you, what do you think you're doing here? You know, it's yeah. like, I, what do you uh, wear? They just give you like scrubs. Yeah, this when you go to, um, like, if you go to RCA on a commitment and you see those checkered sweats, that's yeah. what they give you. And I'm always like, that person's new. I know they're new because of what they're wearing. So after they go to the other side, the um, then they get to wear their regular clothes, right? They take your clothes for like 72 hours and they they I don't know fumigate it or put it, it, probably shake them down too. So there's no they don't want bed bugs or anything. You know they yeah, do well, it to everyone. Good. And that's I'm really like, you're gonna do this to mine. You know, it's like scabies and stuff. You exactly. Know? I just thought they're testing me. They're not. Yeah. They're not doing that. They just keep my clothes. I, you know, yeah. I just thought everything was like a conspiracy. Yeah, and uh, so you stayed there. How long did you stay? I stayed twenty-four days. Did you really? That morning, I called my brother. I said, "I'm not ready to leave." And you know, they didn't know what was going on there. I'm like a pioneer in my family. I'm the only one that's done this. Yeah, same. So I felt bad. You know, it's like I can't. It's like I don't know when I'm going to be ready to leave. But I'm I'm good for thirty days. You know, and uh, I can't leave now, and because I don't want to come back. You know, who does? Right? You know, I always say I don't plan on going back. No one plans on going back. But you hear the stories. But I think a lot of people don't plan on staying healthy. Nobody plans on going back to detox. But you have to plan on staying healthy. You can't yeah. just exist. You're either going back or forwards. Yeah. And that I was the, the thing. I, you dove right in after. It's like after a while, you, you kind of get comfortable there, you know, and you realize yeah, you safe. start physically feeling a little better. And I remember someone saying it was almost like in Shawshank Redemption when the old guy Brooksy leaves yeah. and he, he kills himself because he doesn't – he was institutionalized. And someone said that. Like someone was leaving the next day and were like, yeah, these walls are funny. You know, you get – they're safe. Um, I think of like the different hurdles I reach, like leaving there. I like I know I got to go, and all those things that put me where I am, the outside stuff is still going to be there. Yeah, I'm still going to have to reschedule Precious. the surgery. You know, thank God nothing got worse with my mom while I was in there. I was in there on a birthday. It was a horrendous. I remember day. you saying that. I didn't yeah. share it with anyone. Um, I felt really a lot of shame. Um, this is how you feel, Shane. It's the best gift you gave your mother. Yeah, yeah. The best gift true. you gave her. Yes. And, she and got the real youth towards the end of her life. And her being ill scared, scared me so much. It turned out to be like contraindications with her medications and um, a UTI. And that is she okay now? Re- she's awesome. Yeah, I, the last four nights I stayed over with her when my brother and his wife went away. And awesome. I wouldn't have wanted to do that. Of course, I would have been selfish. Be selfish. Like, why yeah. doesn't she do it? Why doesn't my other yeah. brother do it? You know, right. now I'm like, I'm doing it. You guys did everything for me when I was in recovery. They took care of the cat. They did. Bro, I remember you saying your brother went and took care of the cat, fed out the medication. Go, my sister and two brothers did everything. Wow. And I that lesson was huge for me because my brother went away early in recovery. And I said, I'll take two nights. You guys take the other two. And then it ended up that my sister couldn't go because some other daughter. And I was pissed. And I just texted her. I said, yeah, okay. And that's not okay. If I just say one word, yeah, it's not okay. It's saying, yeah. And something, I was at the keyboard listening, you know, looking at the phone. And again, it had to be my higher power. I said, hey, asshole. 
Yeah. What, That's what, not the do you. They took care. I, I was because I, I was thinking, what have you done? I've done this, and then God said, "Here's what they did. They fed your cat. They made it possible for you to recover. Yeah. They were unselfish. You know, they they. And I'm like, it, that wasn't fun. You know, yeah. I didn't know what was going on with me, and and they were worried. You know, and and I just I, caught, I I got right back to my sister. I said, not only am I going to go, but you can't go any at all anymore. I'm doing this every time. You know, and it's like, and I I pretty much have, but I know that they would also do it if they well, could. They, they, they were there when you needed it. Now I, you have the ability. This I is, like doing yeah, it. Yeah. When God yeah. gets us clean and sober. The one thing we have to do is all the shit we didn't want to do before. Yeah. I always say that. I, like, when I, help, I get a new guy I'm helping, and uh, and I feel very inadequate. Like, I don't have anything to offer this and that. But he's going through a divorce. He's an opioid addict. So I feel like I have something to offer, you know? Yeah. And and I said to him, now that you're doing okay, like, his son had kids I'd talked to for fucking months. Yeah. He had 10 months where he relapsed. So he said, well, my son wants to see me. He was complaining how he didn't get to see his son before mm-hmm. he goes off to college for the first time. Now his son wants to see him. I said, all right, when you go sit with him, you have to let him unwind on you. He's yeah. going to load. You're a piece of shit. He's going to give it to you. Yeah. He goes, well, yeah, but he's like, Ryan. But then his mother and I said, no, no, no. We don't get that right. As recovery men, I won't use the letters, but you know, Armin always says, as blah, blah, men, those yep. two initials. We are now men of God. We are guys. We have to do what recovery men do. Okay. And so I said to him, you're going to have to take it on the chin. You have to say, I understand. I completely respect that. So he called me after. He goes, you know, Ryan, he started to unload. I said, you know, I understand how you feel that way. And I don't mm-hmm. blame you. And uh, he goes, Ryan, his head like tilted like a dog. And he said to me, Dad, what do you understand? He said, I, well, I do. I, I feel the same way. I'm sorry I put you through. He goes, Ryan, the rest of it was amazing. Yeah. He goes, how do you know that? He goes, I don't know anything. I just shared with what was shared with me. You know, and that's the thing we change. Even though we were, sometimes it's forced. Like early on that thing with your sister, you say, okay, then you step up and respond. Now... That doesn't even have the okay time because you change so much. The okay doesn't yeah. happen. It's like, sure, I'd love to. I'd be happy to do it. The pause, you the know? pause gets shorter. The more you keep doing the right thing, yeah. and and then it becomes intuitive, automatic. You know, like the things that used to baffle us. Yeah, you know? totally and, handle. But that that described me perfectly. Like you know, at RCA during that time, I was baffled. I, I was like. And of course, I was beating myself up saying, if if so and so was dealing with what I'm dealing, would they be as messed up as I am? And that's not productive. Yeah, it doesn't you know? help but, us at all. I but know. that's what I was doing. And I couldn't tell anyone, you know, I'd just say, I'm struggling. That's all I would say to my friends because I wasn't really, you know, going out answering, you know, let's go to dinner or whatever. Um, I was hiding, you know, but it was brutal, you know. And uh, so. I started to get a little comfortable at RCA. I started um, helping other people. Like I get a new roommate, and they'd be just a mess, you know, detox and whatever. And I bring them food, and yeah. and at first I wanted them to thank me, and then after a while I was like, "Why are you doing this? You're doing it because it's helping you, helping yeah. me." I, I learned how to help people by the other people I was in there with, you know. And I started. I think to, you intuitively are driven that way, anyways. You're you're kind of a service guy. I, I couldn't, like, the guy wasn't getting out of bed. I, I'd, like, go over and check on him, you know, and they yeah. check on you anyway. You yeah. know, they come in, they scan your armband, which was so strange for me. It's like every half hour yeah. while you're sleeping in detox. But, um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of trouble sleeping in there. They they prescribed some new, like, Remron and uh I'm on that. And, and, I, and I don't take any more, but I was on it. Yeah, like anti-seizure it, medication. It which fat as hell. I had to come off it. I, I was hungry at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, and you crave sugar. I'd never it's been nothing. at 200 before. I was, like, 200 pounds, and I'm like, oh, maybe this is just, And then I told my psych nurse once, I said, I want to get off this. It I helped sleep, though. Yeah, it does. It did. And, uh, and 
you know, my mom takes it for an appetite uh, enhancer. Oh, like, good, it's, yeah. There's so many off labels. But uh, my sleep's gone downhill since I came off. But once I hit 230, and, and I'm actually a guy who's pretty in decent shape, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not a fitness guru, but you know, I try to be in shape. When I got to that weight, and I realized every night I would take it, my dog said, just take it, go right to sleep. And I would try, and I would go right to sleep, so it would be fine. Midnight, I'd wake up like a goddamn grizzly bear. Yeah. I wouldn't remember it. You get out the the next day, you'd find wrappers on the counters, Oreo cookie things, empty glass of milk, ice cream things out. It looked like we got ransacked by a grizzly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then, I, so finally, I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'll figure out the sleep. I still never got the sleep right. I said to my mom, um, because she was having trouble sleeping, and I was eating too much. I said, too bad this couldn't do for you what it's doing for me. You know, you'd be yeah. eating more and I'd be sleeping without it, you know, but uh, sleeping better. But um, I mean, I'd be eating less. But so anyway, the, what happened to me, this is when I first started to seek my higher power. I was coming towards the end, you know, I was like looking forward to leaving, scared, scared to leave, but yeah, also like I'm done what I can do here. I started becoming my own best yeah. advocate and asking questions, following people around after meetings, you know, and make, you know, I, if I needed to talk to the therapist, I didn't tell everyone in group. I just went. Because yeah. if you told people in group, you'd be going around and go, yeah, I got to see my therapist too. And there's a yeah, line all of a sudden. Yeah, I agree. And I told some new people coming in, I said, don't tell everybody what you're going to do during the day. Just do it. And uh, so I got a new roommate near the end. And. This guy, I, I, he was, he he was still detoxing, and and he came in. He was using the cot with the clothes to hold himself up, and he he, he had sleep apnea, and he slept all the time. And I don't smoke, so during the smoke breaks, when almost everyone went out, I yeah. would take a nap. I would get like those twenty minutes, and I get oh, a nap. Really? He was always there, and and I started freaking out because it was bad. Like he'd stop breathing, and then it'd be like gasping for air and just gasping for breath. I have that sometimes. I, yeah, I just don't want to. I used study. to. I don't anymore. I no. used to wake myself up sometimes. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. In recovery, it's. But I was like, I I was gonna leave, and I knew that would be the biggest disaster if I left. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't ready yet. Yeah, you and, don't want to leave over some ready. But I, I I didn't cause any kind of commotion at all while I was in there until then. I went now. I gotta I gotta be moved. You know, and they don't move you unless you're like in danger. You yeah. know, it's like they don't move people. They're like, yeah, we'll take it up with the director. And someone come over and goes, they're not gonna take it up with the director. And so I was like, okay. I'm either going to have to leave. Or, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Let's really stay in a room without sleep. Right? And then they're like, you can sleep in the common areas. And I'm like, yeah, you can, but I can't. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'll be awake by. I'll be the worried TV's about on. Yeah. So I went back in and I got on my knees next to this guy in the bed next to me, struggling for breath. And I said the serenity prayer like seven times. And I got up and I went about my day and I didn't think about it again the whole day. And I slept like five hours that night. Really? Yeah, because I was I was gonna probably think about that all day and be yeah, and of hate course. this guy. And, and I hate the poor bastard. It's not yeah. his fault. I'd be like, hey, what the? F you yeah, know, I'm just not I did say something. I said, can you try to sleep on your side? He's like, he'd he'd been there like eight times. He goes, it doesn't work, and he was hurting big time, you know. Yeah. So what I also did the next day, somebody at breakfast goes, how'd you sleep? How'd it go? Because I was talking about it, and I said, you know what? I actually I slept. Yeah. And I and I was like I prayed, you know. It, it was like I didn't pray That's for cool. sleep. I just was no. like, help me accept this. Yeah. And then I started helping this guy, and and I didn't want him to. I didn't expect him to thank me, and he never did. As a matter of fact, on the last night when they do the coin out, you know, and everybody talks, yeah. everybody wishes you luck, and and he said, he goes, yeah, I'm Jeff's roommate. He goes, he's awful loud, and everybody laughed because everybody knew that like I was having a hard time. He he was joking. Oh, you know? it was like, I was like the yeah. first thing he did, he showed his sense of humor. 
But and I prayed for that guy. I don't know what happened to him. You know, I know a couple of people there since have died. I know that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's and and I'm sure there's a lot more, you know. Uh, and then one I saw during a commitment like a few months ago, guy that I was actually would hang out with after we went to breakfast and stuff, three of us. Um, and then he was there and he didn't recognize me because I don't look the same. You know, he's no, like, you don't. He's, like, he's looking at I go, John, he's like looking at me. And I said, pretend I don't have the beard. And he goes, wow. He goes, sobriety really agrees with you. And then he's like, obviously, it doesn't agree with me. And I'm like, well, at least you're here, you know. Well, yeah. And, you know, that is true. At least because you, you're trying. As long as you try, you get a shot at it. Yeah. It's funny. I um, I remember when you came in. Like, you look, you were a healthy looking guy overall because you're just in shape. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But you look different. And I, I don't care what anybody says. You know, call it the spirit of the universe. Call it wizard of whatever the hell you want. There's a God. It's this, I mean, it's the same thing as gravity. It works in this for everybody. Yeah. You know, if you do the, the step work, I do the step work, we have the same results. Maybe different results. Our lives are different, but it has the same success. Mm-hmm. But there's something about when we get recovery that it's like time pauses on our body. We almost look younger. We have that Because yeah. that spark goes in somebody's eye. I can walk into that one o'clock meeting and go, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. Boom, no. Boom, no, no, no. Boom, boom. And I can pick up spark, spark, spark. Yeah. People have got it. And you can't really put your finger on it. Yeah. But I saw it early on. I'm like, there's something about that guy. It's something my, my sponsor. Yeah, you Jim. Know, Jim. Right away, I'm like, you know, and it, it's, it, and you can, and, and also like we think, that how do they know I was new? You know, you know the people that are getting it and you know the people, and then you know the people that are getting it, but yeah. they're struggling. Like maybe they didn't do the whole step. So maybe they don't believe in God or, or um, and I just say, I just be thankful that I, I was willing, you know, and I gave it up. You know, I, That's what it is. It's I made that decision is. to turn my life over. And I, I was like, what do you mean? Turn? I don't make any more decisions. Yeah, we're we don't want to turn it over. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me. And even the first step, I, I knew my life was unmanageable. Yeah. I was in detox. I was in rehab first time, 56. There's no, no yeah. secret. Yeah, something wrong with that. You know, yeah. but I wouldn't admit to powerlessness. I did it kind of backwards. You know, I even think I was like at step three before I, it, I, I didn't understand the disease model. You know, yeah. I. I didn't, in, you know, at first I said, I'm a person of recovery, yeah. you know, and then I said, I'm an addict and people would say, why do you, why do you identify that way? And I'd say, it's just what I'm comfortable with now. Yeah. And I'm a people pleaser, so I'm not going to say it. So someone else feels better. Yeah. I'm trying and to then about it. six months, I, I got this, you know, someone came to a commitment when I was at RCA and the woman said, this disease will kill you, but this program will save your life. Yeah. And I would looked around the room and I said, well, thank God I don't have this disease, you know, and just the denial. Yeah. And it is funny how we deny things. Yeah, I, I got it, you know, and, and I have a I have a treatment program, you know, it's like I don't think I'll ever drink a drug again, but I can't be positive. Yeah. So I got to do, you know, I'll I, I don't want to get that cocky. It's, I won't say this in a cocky way, but I'm going to say something that I've learned. Because I've been in both sides of it. I was a guy who had rock star recovery. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was sponsored. I ran a program at the jail. You name it. And then I'm a guy who fell. Yeah. And I had to get up again. I could see what, you know, what I did was easy. Work up busy. I took more time away from meetings. The meetings I started, I didn't go to as much. I went to the jail thing where I ran the program, mainly because of my ego. Get my ego stroke. Right? I had a jail program. I did a lot of things that filled up the Ryan's cup until it poured over, but I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing yeah. enough genuinely. I obviously, what defines you is what you do for people who can do nothing for you yeah. and that nobody knows about. I wasn't doing that at that time. Yeah. And I remember at one point, it sounded like a good idea to pick up. I had a prescription and I was on a ride. And I will tell you this time around, like, 
I won't give that up. And then when I look at you, the reason I would bet you would never do it is I don't think you'd be dumb enough to do good out to one meeting a week, mm -hmm. to stop being there available for people, stop being involved in a group. But if you do, then you get what you fucking get. Yeah. I got exactly what I deserved. Yeah. I chose to put, I let my fear, economic fears and my financial securities, my insecurities about relationships, pull me away from what the 12 steps is mm -hmm. going to be. Yep. And then I got exactly what everyone told me. It wasn't a mystery. Yeah. You know, you do that, you're going to lose everything God get, business gave you up. Uh, high power gave you and i i didn't lose everything knock on wood but i lost me yes you know i remember pulling up to a meeting in a sports car this young kid had just got into the same meeting he said wow what an awesome you know the mm -hmm. car and he said i i was struggling i looked at him, i said you know what i'm a well-dressed trash can I mean, i'm <laughs> fucking i'm a trash can yeah. and i'm dropping f-bombs that was his first meeting he left he didn't come back mm. i didn't mean to do this again i want him to know how unimportant stuff was because i was in so much pain yeah and i and i my buddy was like, wow, that was, he was just coming for his first meeting out of jail, right? What, what, what? And I'm like, I was just so shaken up about me. I want him to see what a joke this is. I'm mm -hmm. a loser. Like, and I had really hit a bottom this time spiritually. And uh, I'm very grateful because sometimes the bottom is a bounce, the springboard is up, you know? But I watch your recovery and I can tell you, you don't have to say because it might sound arrogant, but you will not go back out there because you won't. I really believe in my heart. Mm -hmm. You won't do the things that it takes to go back out there. But I have to do the things that keep me there. Absolutely. Every we day. Going forward yeah. and backwards. I just, you know, that's become part of your life day in, day out. You've literally built a retirement around recovery. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty goddamn impressive. And, you know, I mean, I watch it. It's fun to watch. So I listened to the episode with, with our friend Dino. And, you know, Dino doesn't talk a lot in the meetings. But when he does, it's, it's impactful. And he, I'm a little stuck right now because, you know, two, two years plus, I, I feel very comfortable in my sobriety. But I got to call myself out. I'm kind of hiding in AA, you know. And when I, I talked to Dino, I was telling him I'm kind of hiding in AA. And he's like, yeah, you are. When I told him, you know, it's like I, I want to get back to dating. But, you know, I feel like I'm ready, but I'm not doing it, you know. And I'm like, maybe I'll get a part-time job. What's what's wrong with having a little extra money? And, it is, and it's like, I you know, I keep pretty busy. But yeah. it's like I go to a lot of meetings. And I, I like it. I like going to meetings. I, I, I like being involved. But... It's like I found like I, I went away to Maine a couple weekends ago with, with my brother to go fishing. I was sorry, my, my sister and her, her daughters were up there. And um, I wasn't going to go because I was running a commitment on Sunday night. And then there was someone speaking on a, at a meeting on a Monday that I signed up. And this is my ego saying they can't get through these things without me. I'm like, but I could spend three days in Maine or four hours yeah. where I think. That, and, and I was like, they don't need me. I asked. Uh, a couple of people, I said, hey, can you take the commitment? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's funny, it's that easy. And, and then I said, I don't have to be there. This person's not even going to know I was whether I was there or not. They're you know, it's like it's, and it was a big thing for me. I just handed it over and did what I wanted to do. Do you know my buddy, um, Chris the Baldwin? He shaves his head. He hangs out. Yes, he's a, yes. He's a Saturday morning guy. Um, him, me, Paul, you know, Paul, you know, yep. Paul the glasses. And I'd love to have you. Now we're all going to be in the same boat. We're gonna start, I said, we were talking the other day. We're gonna start going to dinner one night a week. Mm -hmm. Places where we would bump into females. Yeah, you know? yeah. We're gonna go away on some trips here and there. Um, we're gonna start doing this because same thing. We all said we're like, you know, those guys have been single for a while. They like kind of. Like, yeah. For me, I just want to be part of it. I'm not even looking for you know. Right now, I'm gonna just date my daughters. You know, but yeah. uh, but I like the idea of like having single guy friends to do stuff with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this next year is gonna be really beautiful. There's yeah. gonna be some really cool stuff going on. But I I I'm like. 
I talked to my sponsor. I talked to Dino. I said, I know what I want to do, but I'm not doing it. And it's well, like, it's I'm change, like, oh, am I going to mess up my recovery if I go do this? And no, this is why I'm doing recovery. So you can go back to, and have a To life. bridge back to life, you know? Yeah. And uh, and then I'm like, like I've got to do it without alcohol and drugs. And that that I don't think will be as big a deal. I'll it's just you, like I my autonomy. Years ago. When, I, when I got sober when I, the first time, right? I got out of jail. Now I'm now gain after a year mm -hmm. or whatever, six months. And at first, it's like, oh, God, I think now. For me, it was a little easier to know I don't drink. When they got in the car and I had to do a breathalyzer back then. Oh, <laughs> so there was no mystery. I, that yeah. was an icebreaker. But also, at this day and age, with apps and everything else, dude, go on an app and put down sober. Like, yeah. as you think. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm not ashamed to be in sober. I no, I'm not either. And then you get to attract girls that are either non-drinkers yeah. or might have a glass of wine. Yeah. Like, you will attract the right girls. You know that. I'm giving, By the way, when you leave here, I'm giving you a book. Have you ever read that book, The Secret? I haven't. It's a book guy. It's about the law of attraction. It's all yeah. the stuff. I've heard you of visualize it. I think, I think some of it's hocus pocus, but some of it's valid. Mm -hmm. Same author wrote a book, though, called The Magic. It's a 28-day gratitude book. For 28 days, you read four or five pages, and it gives you a hand writing assignment. No more than 20 minutes a day. I'll check it out. Everything I put on there and everything I did for goals, I hit. Yeah. Everybody I've given it to, everybody, my staff, all the guys in AA, all the guys, probably 30 guys I've given it to. They come back at first. They're like, "I'm like, just do it. Give it 20 yeah. days. If you're not happy, you know, I'll refund your time." But um, so I want to circle back to this. What you're doing now is big. You're paying it forward in the in the program, and I think that's we were just talking about where you are. And honestly, you're where a guy is after 15, 20 years usually, and two years. And it's no coincidence. Nobody gave this to you. Yeah. You worked your ass off to get it. You got involved. You did the uncomfortable things. And now the uncomfortable things are comfortable for you. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're very comfortable running in the group, stepping up, saying, hey, guys, we got this going on. Whereas early on, I'm sure it was like, say it oh, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and now you're where most people are years later because you put that much more work in. I think it's incredible. One, what you're doing. Two, I mean, your future is bright. You're going to go back. I mean, listen, you're going to be dating. You're going to do all the fun things. You're going to be able to go on road trips. All these things you want to do that had to get put on the back burner. Yeah. We leave on the back burner too long because it's, honestly, it's more comfortable to leave it that way. But brother, I'm proud of you. I'm grateful to have you in my life. And I, Thanks. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, man.